you know, at my age and stage, you've had your voice so many decades, your whole life, and it is wrapped up in your personality. And also, this is Larry. He lives in Canberra, Australia, and this recording was made by his wife Alicia just moments before an operation that doctors said would very likely impair his ability to use his voice. I've been an instructor and a teacher. I've always been very vocal, and to suddenly know that you're going to lose that voice. Three weeks earlier, Larry was diagnosed with cancer in his mouth. The sudden timing meant that he and Alicia had to rush to prepare for this huge change in their lives, and they didn't really have time to mourn for his voice. People relate to the memory of you and your voice. You know, when people hear your voice, they think of you. Larry and Alicia have been married for about thirty years. Just before Larry went in for his surgery, Alicia managed to record Larry telling her favorite jokes, and singing one of her favorite songs, La Mer. La Mer, somewhere across the sea, somewhere. I'm afraid, obviously, that once it's taken away, even if I develop another voice, I'm able to. Train and be able to articulate and speak again. It's a different voice, but to to retain something or my old voice synthesised, I think is a wonderful thing. You're listening to Say That Again, a podcast about how we sound, how we listen, and why that matters. From the Christian Science Monitor, I'm Jingnan Peng, and I'm Jessica Mendoza. So this is our last episode of the season. I know, I can't believe it. Yeah, it, you know, all throughout this podcast, we've been talking about the idea that our accents, languages, and voices—they shape and reflect who we are.、Mm-hmm. But what about people who have trouble using their voices? Right today, in the U.S. alone, some 7.5 million people belong in that category. In previous episodes, we talked about how so much of being human is wrapped up in communicating、mm. and expressing ourselves, and so this can be a huge challenge for folks with speech disabilities. Thankfully, advances in technology are allowing more people to express themselves with voices that are more and more human-like and personalized. Today we share two stories of people who are turning to this technology for help. For Larry, it's about preserving his own voice, and for Sean, you'll meet him later. It's about creating one he's never had. In their own way, each is navigating the question: How much can technology help us construct our voice and shape who we are? This is episode six: To build a voice. Hello, hello, hello. I spoke with Alicia over Zoom about two weeks after the surgery. Larry was still recovering and only made a brief appearance halfway through the call. And you actually thought Alicia was Australian at first, right? Yeah,、uh, from her accent. But I found out she's from the U.S. <laughs> That's funny because Australians would say, "No, you don't sound Australian at all." But family and things, when I talk to them on the phone, they think、I'm, I sound very Australian. Jing, you know you're not supposed to make assumptions based on the way、uh, people speak. <laughs> I know, I know you're right. After reporting a whole season about this,、uh, here I am still. 
Larry and Alicia met in the early 1990s, while they were both stationed at an army base in the U.S. Larry is Australian, and the couple moved to Australia soon afterwards. Today, they both work in risk management. They asked us not to use their last names because they're going through a private time and don't want to be contacted about their story. Larry has been diagnosed with cancer once before, about 10 years ago, and he survived it. He's been clear, clear, clear. It's been wonderful. Um, So we were a very good news story. But in early February, about a month before our Zoom call, Larry got the news that the cancer had come back. This time, the doctor said, Look, Larry, you are going to need to prepare for the fact that you might not be able to speak. Or if you are able to speak, it's going to be after a lot of therapy. And at the end of the day, it may be only your wife or people that you know who will understand you. Larry is, he is a big voice. He's a big personality. He's a, he's, he's a lecture, been a lecturer. He's a wonderful storyteller. He's, he's really the life of the party. There's never a silent moment when Larry's around. Having gone through and surviving it last time, we were just sort of like, right, okay, we're just going to deal in facts. What can we do to ensure this isn't going to be the end of our lifestyle, of, of what we have? So I just started doing some searches online. And you know, one of the phrases was, losing voice, how can I save it? And vocal ID came up. To build a personalized voice today takes us somewhere between um, a week to two weeks to do once we have all the recordings that we need in order to build the voice. This is Rupal Patel. I'm the founder and CEO of Vocal ID, and I'm also a professor at Northeastern University. Vocal ID builds synthetic voices for businesses that use them for things like dubbing video content or answering customers' calls. Voices that sound like this. You're listening to Say That Again, a podcast about how we sound, how we listen, and why that matters. This podcast was produced by... But the company also creates customized voices for people with speech disabilities. So a lot of folks with speech disabilities use text-to-speech devices that turn phrases you input into spoken sentences. These devices often come with pre-built voices. And a lot of the time, those voices don't match aspects of the user's identity. For example, the late physicist Stephen Hawking was British. But his electronic voice... Where did we come from? How did the universe come into being? ...had an American accent. But Vocal ID can help people like Larry, who are at risk of losing their voice, create a digital clone of their voice. It's a service known as voice banking. To start with, you record yourself. We ask for about 2,000 sentences to be recorded. That's around 90 minutes to two hours of speech. The Vocal ID team then takes those recordings and the transcript and feeds it to software that can learn to speak. It's trying to learn. Every time I see this particular piece of text or these combination of, of symbols together, how do I say it out loud? The technology isn't perfect, but in short clips, you might not be able to tell the difference between these synthetic voices and actual human voices. And building them has become much faster and cheaper. It's pretty sci-fi. There's been a whole revival of research in this area and technology development in this area in this last few years. Think about Siri, Alexa voices, all these new Google voices that are being built, right? 
I found this on the web. It's exciting to see that assistive technology users are benefiting from this technology, which typically most advances in technology don't come to people with disabilities until 20, 30 years later. Back in Canberra, when Alicia learned about Vocal ID, she forwarded the article to Larry. He was like, yes, let's do it. We basically only had two weeks before his surgery to record the 2,000 sentences. They recommended being in a quiet room so that the sound quality was as good as possible. Because he was getting sore and more tired, he could really only do about 200 sentences a day. So there was that stress as well of, are we going to get enough sentences done? Everything happened so quickly, so we were racing around doing tests and getting them his recuperation room ready at home and just doing so many things. So it wasn't really until we were outside of the hospital in the parking lot that we quickly recorded some of his key phrases. Um, He recorded several different ways of saying, I love you. And um, it is hard to prepare for the unknown. But Larry and Alicia also had hope in the midst of a terrible medical event to uh, you know, have that taken away from you and yet there's an electronic version stored is, um, gives you great hope, gives you self-confidence. What's the first sentence you want to say? Vocal ID delivered the synthetic voice to Alicia while Larry was still recovering from the surgery. She brought it to the hospital and played his first words. Okay, you ready? I love Alicia. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you. It really does. I love how Larry calls Alicia Alicia. Yeah, it's so sweet. Next sentence. I want to go home. (laughs) Fair enough. But that's his voice. That's it, sound, cool. it sounds just a little robotic, just a little. It's really you. And once you type them in once, you can like them, mark them with a little heart, and then you can look at the list and then pick them. That's good. That is so. very handy. Larry's new voice software lives on his phone and iPad. For him and the people around him, hearing that voice has been pretty overwhelming. When we first got his mother on the phone, she just burst out crying. Everyone has just said, oh my goodness, it sounds just like you. And here's Larry weighing in, speaking with his new digital voice. To hear yourself speaking by the machine and others recognizing it's your old voice is so emotional. So we actually sent Larry and Alicia some questions ahead of our interview. Larry typed out his answers on his Vocal ID app and Alicia played them for me. For comparison, here's what Larry's old voice sounded like. You know, when people hear your voice, they think of you. And here's Larry's voice clone. I'm just so happy to have it. And for a long time now, people have been recording themselves, so I used to hearing their recorded voice. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. When our producer, Sam, first heard Larry's new voice, she didn't even realize it was from an app. Yeah. At the time we reported this episode, Larry still had a lot he needed to work through. He was resting a lot and trying to build back his strength. He also didn't lose the ability to speak entirely and will be going through voice therapy. But he doesn't know how much he'll be able to sound like his old self. 
And then in terms of his new voice, needing to type each sentence before it's spoken out loud slows down the conversation a lot. Frustrating, but so are many things when you first begin. It will speed up over time. Also, Larry hasn't used his voice app enough to know if it lets him express himself effectively in different interactions. Most of what I've needed to say has been day-to-day functional phrases in the medical environment. It will take time to expand into those other areas. Still, Larry and Alicia are really thankful they found Vocal ID when they did. How terrible it would have been to have found out after the fact that this service was available. We just want to make sure that other people who are going through this, that they're more likely to find out about it. But Larry also said something that really stuck with both of us. Your unique voice is a projection of you, but it isn't you. To me, that meant that although our voices are a big part of who we are, Mm. they're not everything. You know, Larry might never again speak in the way that he used to, but he can still hang on to and express important parts of him. Right. In fact, Larry said that he and Alicia still connect in many of the same ways they always have. As the doctors said, going into this, couples who have been together a long time don't need to say much to communicate. She's been reading my mind for a long time now. We still hold hands, we still hug each other often, but it's going to be a transition. It's going to be a lot of work. But just like 10 years ago, we're confident that it's going to be another good news story. So, Jess, this whole conversation, you know, makes me think of my experience, actually, both as someone raised by parents who are disabled and as a reporter who has covered disability. I know that people can be resilient Mm -hmm. and they can find all kinds of ways to lead meaningful lives and express themselves. For sure. Um... And even when they don't have abilities that other people might see as essential, Mm -hmm. you know, people can still be true to themselves and who they are. Yeah. For our next story, we meet a young man who has had a speech disability since birth, and he's getting a personalized voice for the first time. It's a really fascinating process. It actually makes me think of episode one. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about how your voice is shaped by all these things like your upbringing how other people perceive you, and of course, your own self-image. And in many ways, creating a synthetic voice feels very similar. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Clay Collins, an editor here at The Monitor. I hope you found a lot to take away from our podcast, which wraps up with this episode. Please rate and review us wherever you listened. And if you know someone you think would like Say That Again as much as you have, please share your favorite episode or send them to the full series at csmonitor.com slash say that again. As always, thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Say That Again. I'm Jess. And I'm Jing. Our next guests are the Boyles. They live in New Jersey, and we visited them in early March. So what do you want to tell Jing and Jess about you? I live in North Caldwell with my mom, my dad, my brother Sam, and my dog Casey. 
That's Sean Boyle. He's 18 years old. Although the voice he's using might sound much older. I like Disney Pixar movies like Toy Story and Monsters Inc. Oh, those are such good movies. <laughs> Sean is diagnosed with cerebral palsy. It means he has trouble controlling his movements. When we interviewed him, he was sitting in his wheelchair with his mom Jennifer beside him, and he talked to us using a text-to-speech device called a Toby. What you're hearing is one of the Toby's pre-built voices. I'm going to be interviewed for a podcast this weekend. I feel a little shy, but my family will help me. Ah, I see. The Toby looks like a big, heavy-duty iPad. It's mounted on Sean's wheelchair at about arm's length from his face. The Toby can read out pre-typed statements, like the ones you heard, but it also allows Sean to string together sentences with his eyes, which the device tracks. So the way it works is Sean keeps his eyes on a word on the Toby screen for one full second, and that tells the Toby that he's choosing that word. So to start a sentence, Sean might choose the word "I," and then the Toby will suggest verbs that can come next, like "want" or "need." And Sean does that until he completes the sentence. I need the hug. Oh, okay. The pace of the conversation felt a lot slower than a typical interview. Also for me, it was a bit hard to read Sean's facial expressions.、Mm-hmm. But there were times when his feelings came through quite powerfully. Would you like to get a hug from me? What do you think, Sean? You can say yes or no. Don't. Oh, okay. Okay, I think he wanted a hug from mom. <laughs>、oh, okay. yep. We talked to the Boyles because they were working with Vocal ID to build Sean's first customized voice. The voice will replace the one he's using now, and it blends Sean's physical voice and the voice of his younger brother Sam, who doesn't have a speech disability and whose voice is similar to Sean's. It's a complex process, and the technology is almost the least of it. There's Sean's sense of his identity, there's his family's idea of how he should sound, and their sibling dynamics, and all that comes into play. But the hope, Jennifer says, is that the new voice will help Sean express more of himself when he's interacting with others. I'm hoping he will gain a sense of individuality, of personhood, of having, literally, having his own voice. Sean needs care pretty much around the clock, so his parents were very present throughout the interview. They encouraged him to speak. And also interpreted sounds that he made in his physical voice.、Mm. All right, that—that's a yes vocalization. That's Sean's dad, Neil. No one would would have been.、Mm. He has a very rich, low speaking voice. I happen to think his voice is really beautiful. I have not heard him express his opinion about his voice. I do notice. That when he passes a mirror, he really likes to look at himself, because some of his experience of himself is limited, physically limited. I think he uses whatever he has to know who he is. Helping Sean express himself in as many ways as possible has always been important to his parents. They got him his first Toby when he was six. The device, like we said before. Comes with a selection of voices, and they cover a range of genders, ages, and accents. The available voices for children. One of them matched his own voice pretty closely. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. That voice is called Kenny. 
As Sean got older, they switched to a voice called Josh. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. But then as he got older and his voice deepened, the voices really didn't sound so much like Sean anymore. We were going through all the available voices. So I would ask him, like, do you like this one? And he would say no. And mm -hmm. so, and, and all of them, no. In his class at school right now, there are six individuals and one uses the same voice as Sean does. Oh. And it's because that's the closest one in many people's estimation to a late teenage voice. This kind of situation is part of what inspired Rupa Patel to start Vocal ID. Back in 2002, she was at a conference in Denmark, and she was struck when she saw a young woman and an older man talking to each other using the exact same synthetic voice. We wouldn't give a, a young woman the, the prosthetic limb of a grown man, so why the same prosthetic voice? For people like Sean, who are born with a speech disability, the Vocal ID team builds what it calls a bespoke voice. A bespoke voice is essentially a combination of some vocalization that the end user can still make and recordings of a matched voice donor. So someone who's similar to them in age and gender, desired accent, all of those kinds of things. Jennifer Boyle found out about this service in 2016 at a summer camp for people who use synthetic voices. One of the campers, a girl named Maeve, had recently had a customized voice made. She has two older sisters, both of whom donated their voices to help make Maeve's voice. They also have a distinctive accent, very lovely, and it sounds very natural when she speaks. Back then, Sean's physical voice still sounded pretty close to the voice on his Toby. But Sean began to outgrow the voice. So last year, Jennifer started looking into a customized voice for Sean. And so she turned to her younger son, Sam, whose voice was also starting to deepen. I thought that because Sean and Sam are close in age, 15 and 18 years old, that Sam would be the best possible person to donate his voice. But when Jennifer first asked Sam about it... He said, no, I don't want Sean to have my voice. I realized that he thought he was recording his voice so that Sean would be speaking in the exact same voice mm. as Sam's, which... I wouldn't want somebody else to have my exact voice either. Voices are so personal. So I explained to him that that was not what was going to happen, but Sean's voice would sound different. So we should note here, Sean and Sam have a pretty complicated relationship. Unfortunately, I'm the youngest of this family with a serious case of little brother syndrome. You don't like being treated as the baby? Yeah. <laughs> when someone in a family has a complex disability, they also need and require a lot of attention. Sean needs those things, but Sam is also sometimes jealous. I talked to Sam about the fact that his wishes, wants, ideas matter every bit as much as Sean's. And as he has gotten older, he has a lot of empathy for his brother He'll say things like, Sean wants to watch a movie or Sean wants to get out of his chair because he's paying attention to Sean also. Eventually, Sam came around about donating his voice. And Sean liked the idea too. Both brothers wound up recording their voices for vocal ID. How do you feel about having him use your voice? 
I like it, because then I could give him a separate voice that sounds a lot more like him. He could sound more like his own self, not just some older person. Sam read out five hours worth of sentences, and Sean recorded various sounds that he can make. And then Vocal ID combined those two voices in what they call a voice smoothie. At the end of February, the first version of the voice came back. It sounded like this. Always laugh when you can. It's cheap medicine. That is sample A. Here is sample B. This is my own special voice. It is like no other. I did not share the voice with Sean or Sam, the first one, because I think they both would have felt upset that it sounded so much like Sam. So I gave some feedback about how I feel the voice needs to be different. Sam's voice kind of sounds like he is giving orders, for lack of a better (laughs) (laughs) phrase. He has a very forceful voice, and Mm. he does not have a lot of vocal inflection. But Sean, to me, uses a wider variety of tones and pitches Mm. and is also a bit softer. Part of what Vocal ID does is look at the frequency of the voice, the pitch of the voice, lots of different characteristics. And Sean's voice and Sam's voice are very similar. They said almost identical, which I was surprised. Mm-hmm. My ear hears a different voice coming from Sean because he he's a different person. His personality is different. The vocalizations, to me, sound so different. You know, Jess, it's so fascinating that our perception of people's voices is also wrapped up in what we think of their personality. Mm -hmm. I guess especially for people who are really close to us. Yeah, and you know, it makes sense that personality also comes up a lot when you're building a synthetic voice. Mm. Here's Dr. Patel again from Vocal ID. Especially for bespoke voices, it's like, well, that voice doesn't really quite sound like my son. He's a lot more assertive. Well, what is assertive? You know, how do I, how do I, what is the <laughs> acoustic correlate of assertive, right. right? So it's a lot about the people. Accents also come into play. If you think of a child who, let's say, is born in, in Ireland, but they're born to a family, let's say an Indian family, maybe they don't actually want an Irish sounding voice just because they live there. Things like that. And that's happened many a times. And as the technology develops, the voices get better and more people use them, there are a lot of bigger ethical issues to consider too. Could there be fraudulent uses of the voice? There may be someone who claims that they need a synthetic voice built, but they're going to use it for insurance fraud or for getting into someone else's bank account. For the Boyles, though, their main concern right now is just getting Sean the voice that feels right to him. When we visited them, they had just listened to the third iteration of the voice. Here's what it sounds like. So please pass this around amongst yourselves today and play with it. Here's another sample. The wonderful day when he first knew that he was real. Jennifer compared these samples with the very first version. Always laugh when you can. It's cheap medicine. Now, can you believe Uh, how different? I do feel like this one is kind of more like a flat in terms of the energy level. But the later versions, there's more like ups and downs of the pitches. So I guess maybe it's more expressive. This version came in on Monday. 
And Neil came up into the family room where we're all standing to listen to them too. And he got a tear in his eye. He said, it sounds like Sean. And it did. It does sound like Sean. It's really an emotional thing. It was for the first time ever that I could imagine that voice coming from him. What do you hope Sean will get from this voice? Well, the word that popped into my head is some power. I think it will help Sean show up more and be more of an individual. And if it prompts him to interact with that Toby more, that'd be even better. Of course, the most important question is, what does Sean think? When we brought this up, Jennifer suggested we communicate with Sean in a different way. The Toby can be hard to use for more complex topics, and it can also get tiring for Sean. So it's actually pretty typical for the Boyles to use different ways to talk to Sean. In this case, Jennifer asked a yes or no question. The voice that we heard last night, did you like that voice? As Jennifer asked the question, she took each of Sean's hands, and then she gently shook each hand while saying an answer out loud. So the left hand was... I did like that voice. And the right hand? No, I did not like that voice very much, really. Sean responded by dropping his right hand so that his left was still up, which meant that he did like it. I am very curious, Sean, if that voice sounds like your own voice to you. It does sound like my voice. That's the voice I hear when I talk to myself. No, it does not sound like my voice yet. That's Jennifer giving Sean options again. And Sean's answer. It does not sound like your voice yet. That's okay. You know what? We are still working on it. Using the same method, Jennifer asked Sean what he thought about different features of the voice, like speed and clarity. It turned out the main thing Sean wanted to tweak was his pitch. And that means how much variety there is in the voice, like highs and lows. Is there not enough high and low or too much high and low? There's not enough high and low. Okay, these are important things to know. Really, for me, I was the one who had the most suggestions. Probably because as their mom, I have a voice in my head. And so I was trying to get as close to that as possible. Do you ever feel like, oh, maybe I'm giving too much influence on his voice <laughs> than what he wants for himself? I, um, not only with his voice, but with everything. When your children are small, you do everything for them. Yeah. You think you know what's best for them. And maybe when they're small, maybe I did. But as they get older, the whole thing for me to do is to step out of their way. This is a tough thing as a parent, and especially a parent of someone with a disability whom I have an even bigger impulse to protect and yeah. feel like I know what's best, but I don't. I, he, Sean knows what's best for him. Sean knows what voice is his voice. Finally, we asked Sean what he liked most about getting a personalized voice. Jennifer identified four things Sean was excited about. That your voice will sound like you. That your voice is unique. That you helped to make your voice. That Sam helped to make your voice. Then she wrote these things down and showed the options to Sean. I think you're looking down here. And that one is, I helped 
to make my voice. Before we left, we got to share a very special moment with Sean. He really loves music and loves it when his parents sing to him. Neil held him in his arms, and Sean had this big smile on his face as he sang along. I just want to say, Jing, I was mm-hmm. really touched by that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made me think again of what Larry said earlier, our guest from Australia. Voice is important to who we are, but it's not everything. Mm. And after just all of these weeks where we're trying to understand what our voices say about us, <laughs> mm-hmm. it just felt really meaningful to me to remember that everyone's experience is different. You know, yeah. none of us are just one thing. Right. We are how we sound, but we're more than that too, you know? Yeah. You know, hearing Sean's physical voice, I know that it could be hard to understand for, you know, especially people who don't know him well. But it's still a voice that has value and power mm-hmm. and allows him to communicate his joy and his thoughts. Yeah. So, Jing, this is it. <laughs> Any oh. final words? <clears throat> oh, well, I feel like over the past month, I've learned so much about how we sound and how we listen. And why that matters. <laughs> yeah, uh, <okay. laughs> but really, I, I still feel like I know so little. And, you know, just hearing my own voice now is this incredible thing that comes out of me and helps me communicate, mm-hmm. express who I am. Uh, it does all these things for me. It's really one of the biggest things in my life. But we rarely think of it that way. I right. Think. I mean, I think about it more these days. Has anything changed about the way you think about your voice or even how we sound in general? Yeah, I've become a lot more sensitive to times when you know people express that they don't like the way someone sounds. Huh. Because sometimes people are really talking about more than the way someone sounds. Right. And for the listener, it's a very impactful thing to hear because it can very easily be or feel like a judgment of your person. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I actually feel like it's happening more often that I'm catching myself in these situations where I feel myself Mm. about to make a judgment about the way Mm -hmm. someone is talking. And then I feel like I have to hit a pause button in my brain and I'm asking Mm -hmm. myself first, okay, Jess, can you understand this person? And then if the answer is yes, then, you know, what does it matter how they're saying these words? It's a great button to have. And I'm hopeful that it's a button that sticks around, you know, like that I make a habit mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, because then it will feel like I'm moving forward from this project, having learned something. Um, but beyond that, Jing, I've really enjoyed this journey. Uh, it's been a lot yeah. of self-reflection and some of it has been pretty heavy, but it's been such a great adventure doing this with you. <laughs> Remote hugs to you, Jess. <laughs> Remote hugs. And to all of you out there, we definitely still want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. If you have any comments, questions, or stories you want to share, you can send us a note at podcast at csmonitor.com. We really want to keep talking about it. Season two. Season, Season two. two. Season two. <laughs> I, I hope think, so. Yeah, I, me too, but I wouldn't mind a break first. <laughs> yeah. 
So one last time, this podcast was written, reported, and produced by me, Jessica Mendoza. And me, Jing Nanpeng. Our scripts are edited by Clay Collins, Trudy Palmer, and Samantha Liney Perfas. Sam also provided production support. Our sensitivity reader for this episode was Lakin Brooks. Our logo was designed by Jacob Turcotte, and the artist behind the incredible illustrations on our site is Jules Struck. You can check out her work at csmonitor.com/saythatagain. And sound design for the series was by Morgan Anderson and Noel Flat. This podcast was produced by the Christian Science Monitor. Copyright 2022.